Ahoy! Hope everyone's rocking in the free world. I'm Tyrell McLaughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at TNFFTyrell. Follow mine and Travis's work on Twitter at TrueNorthFFB. And follow the man himself at TSEAL14. So I just finished up a lot of what I want to do so far as research with the 2020 guys. Well, about half of them, if I'm holding up standards to ultra thorough. <laughs> and what I want to do is just try and lay out players in a nice clean fashion. I'll do a mix kind of chronological order list things in matter of importance there'll be lots of stats and numbers but I hope it comes across clearly in regards to the context in which I talk about these stats Uh, so before I put you all to sleep let's do it let's go to my running back two in my early rookie rankings Jonathan Taylor he's five foot eleven about 220 pounds his BMI is 44th percentile Uh, He's from New Jersey. Jonathan Taylor, in his senior season, broke the New Jersey State rushing record. He had 2,815 yards that season. He averaged almost 235 yards rushing per game in his senior season in high school uh, and had 37 touchdowns. Strangely, he wasn't highly sought after by colleges as a recruit out of high school. He was just a three-star recruit. Interesting, he first committed to Rutgers, of course, being a New Jersey boy. But he obviously ended up going to a running back factory instead in Wisconsin. Cold weather running back, right? Check. Jonathan Taylor, check. So he went to Wisconsin. His college yards per carry were off the charts, 6.377th percentile. His college market share was okay, especially we'll talk about that in his uh, last season there at Wisconsin. His dominator was obviously off the charts, and we'll talk a lot about his production in college. But his dominator was 93rd percentile on player profiler. And Jonathan Taylor really burst onto the scene early. Taylor wasn't a high recruit, as we said, but that did not matter. He burst on the scene right away. In a game two as a freshman, he had 223 yards rushing. And shortly after that, he hit the 1,000-yard rushing plateau after his first seven games in his college career. It tied him with six other players, including current and future Hall of Famers, as the fastest to reach 1,000 yards rushing. So let's talk about some of his college production because Jonathan Taylor, what he accomplished, just some wild accolades in his college career. He's almost what you call a home run prospect when you look at it. So sticking with that 2017 freshman season, he was a finalist for the Doak Walker Award winner uh, in his freshman season. That's the award given to the nation's most outstanding running back. It was the only season he didn't win the award in college. Taylor won the Doak Walker Award in 2018 and 2019. Since 1990, when the award started, there's been two running backs to repeat as the Doak Walker Award winner. Darren McFadden did it in 2006 and 2007. And man, I think that's actually a really good comparison for Jonathan Taylor as a player is Darren McFadden. And the other guy to do it was Ricky Williams in 1997 and 1998. So yeah, Jonathan Taylor, you also finished top 10 in Heisman voting all three years of his college career. And that's what we talk about. When we're looking at Jonathan Taylor, we're talking about production profile. And when you look at that college production, he's up there with some of the all-time greats. He holds the record for the most rushing yards in college football history when only playing three seasons. And I think he's still fourth all-time in rushing in NCAA history. So yeah, the numbers, they're just gaudy. Looking back on his three-year career, over 2,000 yards from scrimmage all three years in college. Taylor made 200-yard rushing games look easy. Uh, he holds the all-time record for the most games with 200 yards rushing. He had 12 of them. Uh, the touchdowns and efficiency, that's what's really there. 55 total touchdowns in 42 games played in college. Over 6 yards per carry all three seasons. And the other things that translate to the NFL level we saw. The broken tackles and yards after contact are huge box checks for Jonathan Taylor. He had just under 4,000 yards after contact in college, just unbelievable. He averaged over 1,300 yards after contact per season. Jonathan Taylor had 219 missed tackles forced. 
If we want to see some of this volume, 968 touches, over 6,500 yards from scrimmage, just under 7 yards per touch, 55 total touchdowns. He had over 900 carries in his college career, over 6,000 rushing yards, obviously the first player to ever do that while playing just three seasons. His yards per carry was 6.7 in his college career, had exactly 50 rushing touchdowns on the money, and ended up with 42 receptions for 407 yards and five receiving touchdowns, all of which came in his final season there. So let's get into Jonathan Taylor's final season really quick. We saw his volume increase, his touches were, you know, a career high in college, and we also saw him unleashed in the passing game. All we wanted to see after his first two seasons at Wisconsin was him used in the passing game, and he put it on display a little bit. He had over 10% target share. It was really, really nice to see after that was double what he saw in his first and second seasons, and his overall catch rate went up to 73% in 2019. And Jonathan Taylor also saw some targets in the red zone after seeing zero targets in the red zone in 2018. He had four catches in the red zone. Two of them went for touchdowns in 2019. And he had a touchdown catch on every fifth reception. And the one thing that we really saw was some high leverage work, a big increase in 2019. He had over 50 red zone touches and four yards per carry in the red zone. He also had 15 rushing touchdowns in the red zone in 2019. So if you if we look at his final season in Wisconsin, he did make some improvements on things like his receiving work, like his catch rate, and the red zone work. But, you know, we'll talk about it at the very end. He did not improve on his ball security from uh, the previous seasons. So looking at some of the previous seasons, we're looking at 2018. That was really a great season. Obviously, he had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage again that year, like he did in every season. He led the nation in rushing attempts and rushing yards in 2018. His touchdowns and yards per carry were both top 10. Again, he had 61 runs of 10-plus yards, and he, he just set the all-time record for rushing yards by a sophomore in that season. So he, he really looked like a home run prospect as it was last season, and then he did make some improvements in 2019. But in 2018, Taylor did see next to zero passing work. He had just 15 targets in 2018, and he wasn't able to make much happen in that ring anyways. His catch rate was pretty gross for a running back, and the high leverage work in the passing game was literally a zero. Zero of those 15 targets came in the red zone in 2018. And just jumping back on the timeline, back to 2017, he just transcended his background right away. You know, coming out as a low-star recruit and everything, he he ended up setting the record for the most rushing yards by a sophomore that season, having over 2,000 rushing yards. And that's really just remarkable. So let's get into looking towards the draft process now that we are in that time space. Jonathan Taylor... The first thing we talk about is upside when we're looking at a prospect, especially inside of a tier like the top three seem to be at running back this year among rookie ranks. The upside with Jonathan Taylor is pretty obvious. He could be the next Ezekiel Elliott. He could be the next Adrian Peterson all day. A lot of his upside, though, is contingent on living in the now, like uh, those two guys I mentioned. So his pass catching capabilities, Jonathan Taylor, and ultimately his landing spot, and that team's willingness to use him in that facet of the game, that, that'll be the difference between Jonathan Taylor being my top back in, in fantasy for rankings this year. Uh, in this 2019 class, or if he lands in a spot that we don't see the passing work uh, being imminent, he could fall to my running back three or four, maybe even further. Who knows? 
So I mentioned off the top, he is my running back two at the moment. And, you know, that's accounting for athleticism. It's accounting for high running back draft capital and good volume at the next level already. It might be hard for me to get Taylor any higher without a terrific landing spot. That's what I'm getting at for JT. I'm expecting his speed score to be very good. My evaluation of Taylor is already accounting for him running fast and testing out as a high percentile athlete alongside being a second round draft pick in the NFL draft. I think Jonathan Taylor has a high floor even absent pass catching though. He's likely to be given a ton of early down work at the next level, so long as he doesn't have a 2016 Derrick Henry landing spot or something. Uh, I think Jonathan Taylor could see 300 touches right away in the NFL without a ton of passing work. And you know, what does that mean? We hear the phrase volume is king, and it's very true with running backs. Over the last nine seasons, 63 running backs have reached 300 touches. All 63 finished as top 10 running backs. So when we look at this kid's counting stats and we talk through some of the pass catching questions, but you know, you almost wonder why is Jonathan Taylor not the unanimous running back one? So let's talk about a few small concerns with Jonathan Taylor. One thing I'm not hearing anybody or a lot of people mention is ball security concerns. In 2019 alone this past season, Jonathan Taylor had six fumbles, five fumbles lost, including a lost fumble in Wisconsin's one point defeat to Oregon in the Rose Bowl. In 2018, he had four fumbles lost and seven fumbles in his freshman season in 2017 and five fumbles lost. So yeah, man alive, 14 lost fumbles in college, 17 total fumbles. That is high. Jonathan Taylor had a game with multiple fumbles in every season in college. And just to harp back on it, the pass catching is hard to ignore or just dismiss and say he'll improve. Taylor with only eight catches in both his freshman and sophomore seasons is off-putting before he did end up with 26 on paper in his final season. But Jonathan Taylor, he also put some drops on tape. Eight is the number. He dropped eight of his 50 catchable targets in his college career. And maybe I'll touch on the other concerns some may have uh, would be the tread on the tires debate. And it was a monstrosity of a workload he did get at Wisconsin, but the data shows volume in college is good. Production in college is good. What's not to like? Custard, good. Jam, good. Meat, good. The running backs who get the most volume and rack up the most yards in college are the same guys who go on to rack up tons of volume and yards in the NFL. Makes sense, right? So before we finish off with some specifics like landing spot and all that, like some final notes, I just, I think he can fit in any system. I think Jonathan Taylor will fit any system. His hands are the big game changer. If he can show to be reliable in the passing game, sky's the limit for his fantasy value, but his, his hands definitely could be better. So I mentioned his athleticism. If we're looking towards the combine upcoming here, reportedly J- Jonathan Taylor ran a 4-4-2 uh, 40-yard dash as a high school senior. So there's definitely a lot to like when you plug that in uh, to the road of his, uh, you know, that one where you plug in stuff and, you know, it just stuff, it, it just comes out. I plugged it into a database. There's a thing you can go on on the internet. You just type in your name and, then it, and it just says it. The other thing with Jonathan Taylor is he really has a wide range when it comes to NFL draft capital. He could go anywhere from, say, you know, Leonard Fournette leaves Jacksonville. He could go right at number nine. Who knows? He could go anywhere from number nine overall all the way to 56-57. Where do I think he's going to go personally? I think he's going to go right around the top of the second round, maybe around pick 40, somewhere in that range. And I, I actually think somebody might trade up for him. So I don't necessarily like to pick out those spots like the Chargers at 37 or something like that, or even Miami at 39. But Maybe let's let's talk about some landing spots because there is some, you know, there's going to be a running back carousel this offseason. I expect a lot to go on with Jacksonville and Leonard Fournette and that fifth year option and all that. So 
maybe one team that comes to mind is the Atlanta Falcons. They have three picks inside the top 55. The two picks Atlanta own in the second round, they could be outside the range of getting a Jonathan Taylor. With that said, the Falcons have four picks between number 47 and number 109 overall in the NFL draft. So they have the ammunition to move up in that second round for a running back to incorporate alongside an aging Matt Ryan. I think Jonathan Taylor in Atlanta makes some sense. A team that makes some sense is Jacksonville. I mentioned it. Taylor really fits the identity of Jacksonville. I don't love to do that, but there's a few teams that subscribe to that, like Pittsburgh, like Jacksonville, and they have two picks in the top 20 overall in the draft. They don't have a ton of glaring needs when it comes to what they're going to invest in, in my opinion. A trade back acquiring extra picks could be in the cards for the Jacksonville. If Fournette leaves, by the way, so too could be a running back who can handle substantial volume, a running back who can help shelter what's likely to be below average quarterback play in Jacksonville in 2020 or in London, sorry, wherever. But Jacksonville, they make a lot of sense to add one of these top three running backs and try and not miss a beat on that front. The Tennessee Titans, I'll mention them, but with pick number 29 overall, that would be a mistake in my opinion. That's too high to spend on a running back. If they trade back into the early second round, maybe we could talk. Other than that, Taylor will be gone at the Titans' second round pick at 61 overall. And their only other pick in the top four rounds at 93 leaves them with probably insufficient capital to move up. So the Titans, well, a lot of people might mention them as a landing spot once Derrick Henry walks. I'm not sure that uh, they'll be able to make it happen when it comes to draft capital. Tampa Bay and Miami, they're on the table as two teams near the top of the list to add a running back in the draft. Tampa Bay, I'll mention first because they're interesting. There's such a pass-heavy scheme under Bruce Arians. I fear that Jonathan Taylor would be absent for passing downs if he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I also think the ball security would really need to correct itself overnight. Arians is great for fantasy, but he's one of those few coaches who care deeply about the running backs doing the little things, and Taylor has a few little thing knocks. He drops some passes in college, and he fumbled lots. Miami is mine and assumedly everybody's top bet for who strikes first amongst all these running backs like Miami should be the team who starts this running back run in the NFL draft. So I'll put it this way. If Jonathan Taylor goes to the Dolphins, I think he's also the first running back off the board in the 2020 draft. But a lot of signs point to the contrary on that front. Having said that, with five picks inside the top 70 in the 2020 draft, Miami can really move all around the draft and kind of dictate running back landing spots, as well as quarterback landing spots in the first round. Uh, My adorable, cute, funny landing spot would be the Jets. I'm not sure who hates who more. Adam Gase and Le'Veon Bell, Jets fans and Le'Veon Bell, Lev Bell and fantasy owners. Any way you want to rank it, the Jets bringing in a Jersey boy and Jonathan Taylor would be a good start to making that team, the New York Jets, fantasy relevant in 2020. The Jets, in my opinion, would have to maneuver a bit to draft Jonathan Taylor. Taylor could be there for the Jets at 48 overall, but you know they could always move up. They do have a couple picks at the top half of the third round that are very valuable trade pieces. So let's finish up my dream landing spots, Baltimore and Kansas City. He would absolutely dominate the league in red zone touches in either of those landing spots, in my opinion. Immediately vaulted to, you know, the Vegas odds for rushing touchdown totals at the end of the season. Both those spots have opportunity, but both Baltimore and Kansas City would have to spend back-end first-round picks on Jonathan Taylor in the NFL draft in 2020. I'm not sure I see that happen. If it did happen, uh, Dynasty owners would be spending a very high first-round pick on Jonathan Taylor in Dynasty rookie drafts and maybe startups and even best balls and redrafts. 
So thanks so much. That's my takeaways on Jonathan Taylor. He really isn't a running back who's going to skyrocket up my board as my running back two already. Obviously, a landing spot could dictate that a little bit, but the pass catching upside might be a little bit stronger when it comes to the other guys in the top three tier here. So thanks so much for joining me. Uh, follow me on Twitter at TNFF Tyrell. Follow the website at TrueNorthFFB.com. And don't work too hard.